Hey guys, welcome to episode 255 of the podcast with my final boy of summer, Jonathan Katz. Uh, very excited about this one. I am a huge fan of, of Dr. Katz, uh, the show, and he has a, a, we talk about it in the uh, episode, but he has a new Audible series coming out, um, and uh, I'm really excited about it. When you hear the list of people involved, I promise you won't be disappointed. Um, he's great. And uh, at the end, uh, Jonathan was kind enough to send me one of the songs that he wrote I think it's actually the one that he sang a little bit of in our interview I have a recording of it at the end that I think is so charming and uh, so I hope you enjoy that at the end as well I want to thank everyone who came out to the Benson Movie Interruption and to the West Wing Weekly podcast Um, by now anyone who follows uh, the latter knows that we had surprise guests um, from uh, Melissa Fitzgerald and Allison Janney from the show. And it was uh, one of the coolest things I've ever had the joy and privilege of presenting at Sketchfest. It was, uh, people lost their minds. <laughs> it was great. Um, so thank you for coming to that. And uh, I want to thank Lisa, especially, who brought her mom and is a JV Club uh, listener. And that's how she found out about the show. So uh, special shout out to you, Lisa, and your mom. And I think that's it for now. I will be at Dragon Con in Atlanta this upcoming weekend doing a bunch of fun stuff with people like uh, uh, Frank and Trace and... Uh, uh, Mike Furman and Paul and Storm and Hal Loveland and Mark Aguilariardi and I can't wait. Uh, hope to see some of you there. I will be doing signings for Legend of Korra stuff as well, uh, and I'll be doing a Korra panel. So it's kind of a just a bunch of my favorite things all rolled into one. So hopefully I'll see some of you there. In the meantime, please enjoy this final boy of summer. Uh, as you can probably imagine, I had a ton of other wonderful gentlemen that uh, wanted to do the podcast, whom I was so excited to have on, and scheduling just didn't work out for one reason or another I was gone so much of the summer so uh it was pretty catch as catch can I feel so so lucky that um Jonathan and I were able to make it work before summer ended because I'm such a fan of his so anyway enjoy the episode and uh sorry for the long intro I'll talk to you soon now entering nerdist.com be dead wrong maybe you participated a lot in the the cb craze um, no no i, I was not involved i i got interested in audio when i was a kid when my father brought home a reel-to-reel machine from his job what was his job he was a communist uh-huh. <laughs> and um makes sense yeah but um and then i recorded i have recordings of myself and my family starting at age seven um, and you were sort of the one who precipitated that like it was he didn't did he bring it home with that in mind and then you sort of commandeered it and said wait a minute this is I really like this yeah it was a wall and sack tape recorder reel to reel um and then I worked uh I had my own TAC four track machine and I started writing songs um what were you were you playing instruments on the other four tracks yeah, I played or the other three tracks. I played guitar and bass, and I sang sang all the backups uh, before, and then I had a band, which after that. But but I like the stuff I did by myself. Uh, it was kind of I liked to, the asp the control of it. Do you have any of that stuff anymore? Yeah, I do. I have an online audio archive. Oh, that's great. Um, that's I'll great. Make, I'll mention some titles, and you can pick one out, and I'll send it to you. Oh, okay. Um, part-time lover. Now, hold on. Okay. All right. Well, no. You know what? I'm going to... I have an open mind. Go ahead. Part-time lover is one. Okay. Okay. Louise and Mary. Okay. Louise and Mary. Okay. Uh, born to be punished. Um, uh, let's see. Hiding out from love. Uh, uh, so far, all of these except for part-time lover sound like they could be originals but i got worried that maybe oh no i know Stephen had either Wa- written stevie wonder's part-time lover no i wrote it long before he did and uh-huh. it, but, <laughs> but 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 his version is much better i mean 
Well, Although, that happens. Yeah. What was uh, what was yours more? Well, I know your dad was a communist. Maybe it was. Um, maybe there was something that was a little bit more like uh, specific about like clocking in and out and kind of you know just labor laws and things like that. Was it more officious than uh, Stevie Wonder's Part Time Lover? I'm looking for a part time lover, a full time friend. I I don't know. It was like a it was like an R and B song, and I. I have a few people recorded it, um, including Ella and the Voice Bernfeld, who was a jingle singer, really did a great oh, yeah? job. Yeah. Did um, you, did, uh, no, go ahead. I was just having a sip of coffee. Oh, okay. Um, I, I was going to ask you if when you started writing, how young were you when you started writing your own songs and, and playing instruments and stuff? Well, I had a group called The Cousins with my cousin Paul. Mm-hmm. And and we were about ten, and his dad was the an art director at Columbia Records. Not when, bad. When Dylan signed, he was there, and so Paul and I thought we were going to have a record deal. And his father found us so annoying; he couldn't. <laughs> s- I mean, he loved his son Paul, but he found me actually found me <laughs> annoying. Um. But uh, so we didn't get the record deal, but we did. We recorded songs like "You're a Waste." Oh, uh, that sounds kind of punk rock. Well, it was to the tune of um, "Like a Rolling Stone." You're okay. a waste. I mean, Paul was in love with Bob Dylan, and he uh-huh. mimicked. We recorded a song called "Igor." Um, Green so they're eyes. not really parodies of Dylan's songs. It's just, hey, this tune could work for our lyrics as well. Yeah. Uh, Green Eyes, I think, was the first really totally original song. I'll, I'll do it just a little bit. I saw her yesterday, gentle as the morn. I saw her yesterday, as pretty as a fawn. With those green... Oh, my God, I'm getting nauseous. <laughs> Well, that was what I was going to ask was, uh, were you, because I started writing songs when I was, I think, 16 or 17, and right. um, and it's it was sort of impossible to escape uh, writing songs about things, I, I you know, about which I knew nothing. Like, just things, things you know, I, adult themes, I guess, right. uh, for lack of a better term, where I, I was... I just really felt like, well, these are the kinds of songs I listen to. This is what I understand to be music making. Yeah. So love, love th- songs. You know. Yeah. Were you guys doing that? Well, I, I did that. I mean, t- I saw her yesterday. You know, she has green eyes. That almost that sounds like you know that's a reasonable thing for a a a, a very young man to put into lyrics, rather than you know, when she left me, I couldn't sleep for weeks. You know, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, yeah, but I said I think most of the songs I wrote were by myself were, as I age, were romantic ballads, kind of corny, even wrote a couple of disco songs. <gasps> oh. and, I, and I had access to this amazing studio in Soho in New York City where I was the manager. And after hours, I could use it to record. That's tremendous. Yeah. Did, were you, did you grow up in New York City proper or did you move there at a certain age? No, my family grew up in, in New York City and... Brooklyn, Manhattan, um, Queens, but mostly Manhattan. I do feel like there's, I mean, I'm predisposed to think this, I guess, because uh, it, all I'm doing is, is justifying all of my suspicions about what it would mean to be a a young person growing up in a big city, because I'm from Tucson, Arizona, uh, which barely feels like a city, even though it's you know six hundred thousand people. But it's right. a it's an American Western city, which is to say it's sprawling and you know sort of always overgrown by cacti, and uh, and the and and I don't know a ton of people who grew up in New York City proper. And uh, when I talk to people who were like, there's no. I don't want to say there are no surprises, but 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 everybody always checks off all the box, like all the boxes, all the the things that I thought would be true. Like, oh yeah, you know, I used to 
wander around. There was a guy who, you know, sold cigarettes on the corner who bought like like it, there there sort of is a sense of, oh, you really were a kid in the big city. Like everything I would have imagined you experienced, it seems that people yeah. really did have access to. Did you do you feel do you have a sense of that? I know it was your own experience, so it's hard to maybe look no. on the outside of that. Well, it's it's true what you're describing. I I lost my virginity on the subway. But is that really true? Yeah, I, I, it was oh, so great. It was so crowded. I have no idea who it was. <laughs> but um, oh, it's gonna be. Wait. This is gonna be a series of me thinking you're telling me a true story and finding out that it's a bit. But I'm I'm prepared for it and I'm comfortable no, with it. No, but that might be partially true. I mean, <laughs> er, everything I say is partially true. But Janet. Do you know people who grew up in Tucson who have succeeded in in the entertainment business? Uh, I mean, there are a handful. I mean, listen, I believe Geraldo Rivera went to the U of A. I didn't go to the U of A, but uh, I mean, that's good company right there. Right. Um, and then I have a like the well, weirdly, the guy that I lost my virginity to uh, has has had a, a perfectly respectable career, kind of in the in the music indie world and in the sort of like he's like now we're living in this age where things are so niche and specialized that I feel like I can say, you know, he's done very well as a host for history channel slash sports channel documentaries. (laughs) It just sort of becomes more and more isolated. This one specific thing. Right. There, there, one of the best Simpson writers is from Tucson. Um, Wait, who's from Tucson? A guy named George Meyer. Oh, sure. Oh, Dana loves George Meyer. Dana talks about George Meyer all the time. I don't right. think I've ever met him. I didn't um, know he was from Tucson. That's cool. Oh, okay. and you know who else is? Gary Shandling is from Tucson. Oh, right. Yeah, who yeah. I, I, I used to hang out with, and we used to play ping pong together. Um, How was he at ping pong? Uh, he was a tournament player in, in uh, Arizona. I was... Uh, New York State champion in the 60s. Uh, but he was good. He played, you know what a penholder style is, style is, the way Asians play? Uh, No. Can you I, I don't know that I would know. I mean, maybe I would if I saw Oh, Well, uh, kind of like the way you use... Um, shit, what do you eat when you... What do you use when you're eating Japanese food? Chopsticks? Yeah, the way you would use chopsticks. They hold the racket oh, like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes. I know exactly what you're talking oh. about. Okay, oh. yeah. I, Ask me what style I had in table tennis. What what style was your table tennis? Defensive. <laughs> Can I be honest with you? You sound a little defensive when you use the word defensive. It makes me wonder that there is yeah. an inferiority complex about your style. Well, I, th- I think I was... You know, the, the, my best match was against the nine times U.S. champion, a guy named Dick Miles. And Unfortunate name. Yeah, and I was ahead... Uh, three games. It's a, it's the best out of five. Is I had two games to one, and then my legs started cramping, oh, no. and I had to be carried off in the arms of this big man from the Bahamas, and it felt like a little baby being carried off. But what? Oh. I wrote a song now, about it. Wait a minute. Now I'm so scared that all of this isn't true. No, no, that's true. That's a true story. His name was George Braithwaite. Why? So your so your legs started cramping. Okay, I have so many questions. First yeah. of all, is it played? Is it five games back to back? Like, or or is there a break between games? No. Is it just a quick rapid fire kind of? Well, you know, we were both. The points were long. There was nothing rapid fire about it because Dick Miles was my my idol and was the best defensive player in America. And, um. I actually rarely, <clears throat> neither of us rarely, both of us rarely attack the other. So it's kind of a long uh, game, very thoughtful points. And I'm going to make this sound exciting, Jen. Don't, don't you worry about that. <laughs> um, I also was wearing um, a, I think, like a, kind of like a black t-shirt just like a and and leggings oh yeah what what kind of wait so what did the and leggings look like the, did you have the, to wear some sort of uh athletic supporter <clears throat> uh 
No, no. Um, I was not exposed that way. But and I also wore shoes that were designed for table tennis. Uh, but table tennis players are probably the oddest group of people in the world, strangers and comedians. Yeah, I, my dad is a, I mean, he, he definitely didn't ever, uh, he was not a, a real competitor, but he was very, very good at ping pong. And right. um, so when, so my <clears throat> exposure to ping pong and people being good at ping pong was just my dad who kind of, like I've uh, sort of, uh, like I think I have more of a sense of nostalgia and kind of gilding of his childhood and college years even than he does. I've sort of, taken his because because he comes from an era that that just that, like his reflection of, of college and my reflection of college are so different um because i was not interested in you know the greek system and uh was you know a theater kid and had you know kind of come out of a high, being in high school and being goth and all this kind of business and and my dad the way he describes his college years uh there it, it just sounds so idealized uh in his mind it's just his reality but when i hear it it sounds like a beach boys song i mean it really and he loved the beach boys but it really sounds like that like oh he was making you know he was making all this money as a drummer in a rock band in in college at the u of a and they, he was being asked to play at all these events and you know he was this blonde good-looking kid who would drive his volkswagen bug to california to go take surfing lessons i mean it just all sounds so wow. over the top so that's how i thought of ping pong players i thought oh they're all these sort of like golden children frat boy you know, surfers. Yeah, there were, hardly enough, there was only one of those. And he was the son of a guy named Glenn Cowan. Or maybe he, maybe his name was Glenn Cowan. And his dad <laughs> had the same name. His dad was a TV producer. And he was a golden boy from California with long hair, probably a surfer. Yeah. And he had a very short lived career in table tennis, I think, which ended when he discovered drugs. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Hey, where did you go to college? Uh, I went to my, the first kind of, two, I think two and a half years. I left in the middle of my junior year uh, in the winter. I went to Northern Arizona University. Um, right. Uh, because I got a full ride to any Arizona school based on my grades when I graduated public high school. And I wanted to get as far away from hot weather as I could. So fl that's up in Flagstaff. So it's it's beautiful. You know, it's a small kind of mountainy town and... It's about 30 minutes south of the Grand Canyon, and it's near Sedona. And so it was really right. kind of a wonderful place uh, to go to school. But I had been bitten by the San Francisco bug uh, when I visited there at 13 and um, had sort of just been for like looking forward to that, figuring out how, how soon I could move there. And uh, I guess I was imagining I would move there after school, and then I just got really impatient and decided to move there um, and finish school at, at SF State. Hey Janet, uh, how do you like being an adult? Um, I I think uh, most of the time I I I'm okay with it. I feel like I've skirted um, certain uh, m certain feelings of being an adult because I don't have kids yet, and I don't um, I don't I, f I feel like I while I feel that I work a tremendous amount, I it's hard for me to look at the jobs I have now in the same way that I look at other grown-up jobs. Um, so I think uh, in many ways I've found a way to mitigate the circumstances of being adult, but I'll tell you health issues and, pro and, and health issues in family and members and friends uh, feels like the kind of, like I wish that that weren't a way that I connect with being a grown-up in a sense that I'm not comfortable with, but that yeah. is the number one thing I don't like. How about you? Uh, I I like it. You know, I've been an adult much longer than you have. I'm 70 years old, for instance. Yeah. But uh, when you talk about health issues, are you talking about your own health or your family's health? Yeah, I mean, it's just a kind of a combination. Right. You know, I, I and, and the other thing, too, is, and I brought this up before on, on my podcast from time to time, is this, this thing where um, things that would normally happen and just happen and you wouldn't assign a reason other than well this this has happened or this is you know coincidental or whatever um so at some point in the last couple of years i've started assigning it to age and i don't right. that's stupid you know what i mean like now when i have problems with my neck uh i there's this part of me that 
that feels like I'm yeah, like, oh, well, this is because I'm I'm I'm, you know, crawling closer to death. But I had back problems yeah. when I was 20. But I just didn't, at the time I was 20, I was like, well, I know it's not because I'm old. You know what I mean? So there's yeah. this weird assigning of properties to being an adult that I, yeah. I don't know. It feels so arbitrary and it feels like if it's just a state of mind, then why don't I not make those associations? Well, the one thing I read about you online, which surprised me, was that you're part of a group of women that wears necklaces that weigh more than 75 pounds. That's right. And That's right. I, I, I don't you know don't think that has something to do with my neck problems, though? No. Is that what you're... Okay. No, no, not at all. But I think it's kind of a, almost like a tribal thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's, I mean, as, as you know, it's the shape of, uh, we couldn't get albatrosses because that was copyrighted. Right. So they're, they're emperor penguins. Um, but they do, for us, represent the same kind of thing. It's, the, it's dragging, you know, the history of uh, the, the struggles of women um, in the form of a, a, a bronze giant emperor penguin it's life-size janet if one of us doesn't say something funny in the next few minutes <laughs> my computer's gonna explode you should not have installed that humor sensor that was I a know. huge mistake that was a huge mistake but it's a it's a plug-in and i can remove it well i don't know why you didn't remove it the second you found out you and i were going to be speaking you yeah. Uh, everybody knows I am nothing but uh, Stromendrang. Is that what I mean? What is Stromendrang. That's a that's like a German expression that people use. Uh, it's it's sort of um, like what would the other like like uh, like uh, I don't want to say fire and brimstone, but the sort of like negative, you know, s s noise and fury of you know it's one of those German existentialist terms that. Uh, uh, that that connotes like, oh, it's the end of the world, everybody. I, I should clear something up for you right away. Is that people assume that I'm? I don't know why that I'm literate, which I'm not. <laughs> that I'm really intelligent. I might be. I think it's because you had a cartoon. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the cartoon was. I think just the fact that you had a cartoon. Right. Um, do you, how often do you write prescriptions for people? Daily. Uh-huh. I think no, that probably has something to do with it too. Yeah. I mean, so many people actually think that I'm a therapist. It's nuts. Well, do they, what, so, but, and so the reasoning for that is I assume you're a therapist, but you found a way to make that funny. No, I've never been a therapist. I've only been in therapy. No, I know, but I mean, is that what people think? Like, do you think that people oh. who think that have they they're they're sort of reverse engineering it, where they think, okay, well, probably Jonathan Katz was a working therapist, but then he realized he also liked comedy, so he decided to marry the two. Versus just, oh, wait a minute, this is this is a device. Yeah, I, maybe I don't know. Is you know who Erica Rhodes is? Yeah. Her, you know, she grew up in Newton, where I live, and her mom dropped her off one day, and she said to me, "What kind of therapy do you practice?" You know, and she's she's a relatively intelligent woman, um, but I do live in a town where, if you go outside and yell "help," <laughs> somebody will shake a bottle of antidepressants. Uh huh. <laughs> Just to calm you down. Yeah. Do you where? Uh, what was your high school like when you were growing up in the city? Uh, well, I, I started at a high school at Charles Evans Hughes in Manhattan, and then my family moved to Queens, and I went to Bayside High, where I where I had only one friend named Alfonso Grimes, and I'm not sure he liked me. Oh no. We, we just waited for the bus together, <laughs> and. So I, I was incredibly shy. I was afraid to talk to girls. Um, I wouldn't go to school if I had a pimple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But... Um, Were you a good student? No. I, I couldn't focus, and my mother did my homework, which helped. <laughs> wow. Was she... She was a good student. <laughs> she clearly on my was. Behalf. Listen, yeah. uh, did it, were there what were the conversations like with her when she took that on? Was there some sort of unspoken agreement, or was it like Jonathan, don't embarrass me 
am I going to have to do your homework for you? What was what was her thinking there? Well, I think she wanted me to prove to the world, like her and my dad, that I was somebody who was interested in, in the struggle of people less for less fortunate than myself. Mm-hmm. When in fact, I just wanted to play ping pong and meet girls. Right. <laughs> That's so wrong. So- it's not wrong at all, especially not as a young person. Um, yeah. And so you're, but then now I'm feeling that every piece of homework that she did for you, she somehow managed to incorporate in your altruism. Yeah, like if I wrote about my summer vacation, it always ended with, and then I then I found a sandwich on the on the sidewalk, and I gave it to a poor a poor a Negro person. Because <laughs> no. this is the stuff. This is like the early, the early late fifties. Uh huh. And that was something that your parents were were they uh, progressive in that well, way? My parents were both activists. My dad was the secretary treasurer of the AFL CIO, and my mother was was involved in the um, women's auxiliary, which is uh, work. She worked did work with Eleanor Roosevelt. They both. The name Katz appeared on the front page of the New York Times and the Baltimore Sun, Washington Post. But it wasn't me. It was my parents. Mm. And you're so, an only child, yeah? No, I have a sister. Uh, oh, you do? Lives, okay. Who lives in Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh, and what was she like? Was she? Uh, did, did you guys get along when you were at, when you were younger? For a while. You know, we when we were little kids, we shared a room and we had this amazing fantasy life together. We had a we had a toy store, a, a toy library in our home in Brooklyn for other mm-hmm. kids. And wait, like they would come and check out toys and then bring them back. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, but uh, uh, this is an awful joke. I won't even say it. I mean, now you have to say it, though. We okay. all know that. Well. I learned about sex from my sister, like the other guys in the neighborhood. Oh boy, yeah, that's well. all. That's not, that's not even that funny. <laughs> no, but it, it works is. on multiple levels of discomfort, though. Yeah, but no, I did actually learn about sex from the books that my sister owned. Were they? Uh, I guess that's pre our bodies ourselves, isn't it? Is that? Oh our yeah. bodies ourselves feels like it was a yeah a seventies revelation. Is, one was a book called Unbecoming a Woman. Mm-hmm. And then there was uh, books like Lady Chatterley's Lover, which just oh sure. Um, but I had no idea what it was. It was pretty exciting for a thirteen-year-old boy to read. Of course, it was pretty exciting for a thirteen-year-old girl to. I mean, I feel like I was. There was a. There was a. There was a where do a book called Where Do I Come From that was in, you know, some section of uh, my. Uh, elementary four, five, six grade um, right. school library, and uh, and you know it had it had sort of <laughs> friendly friendly drawings of penises and vaginas, and right. uh, we would just you know at every opportunity sort of huddle, uh, pull the book out of the shelf and sort of right. huddle and look at it together, and then put it away and and walk away with our private thoughts, very thrilled, uh, yeah, and confused. Yeah, my my wife works with the woman that wrote the book. A woman named Roby Harris. Oh yeah. Yeah. Who wrote "Where Do I Come From"? Yeah. Oh, tell her I said thanks. Okay. Uh, it was <laughs> the last thing a kid cares about. I think once once you've figured out that sex is something that uh, feels secretive or feels adult and grown up, I think that the I think. I've never thought about this before, but I'm I'm thinking now that the kind of like that like the untold secret is no one gives a shit how babies are made. Like it's not. Do you right. know what I mean? It's not like oh, this is answering this important question about how I came onto the earth. That feels like a very mature curiosity. Uh, when you're old enough, you know, you may wonder that as a baby or as a you know as a very young kid when you're sort of asking questions about everything, like why is the sky blue? But when you're old enough to read or look at a drawing of a penis, I think you're past the point of caring at all that it has to do with babies. Right. Like it's much more about wait a minute, what is this this secret act that I'm maybe not supposed to talk about or know anything about? I've seen the Janet Varney video. 
the one where I explain how babies are made? Yeah, it's a reenactment. <laughs> a reenactment makes it sound like I'm wearing a Civil War uniform. <laughs> yeah, you're have, having sex with another with a guy wearing a no. <laughs> No, you that, know that, that's that's a fetish, of course. Uh, somewhere out there, that is a yeah. fetish. Well, what kind John, of girls did you have crushes on when well, you were younger? Oh, well, let me well, get, let you get that out. Well, John Benjamin and Laura Silverman lived in an apartment together, and every morning they would get up because there was a reenactor waiting for the bus across the street, and they got such a kick out of the guy that he had such a commitment to his role. Oh yeah. Um. When I was little, I had crushes on girls who were fast runners. <laughs> is this in cute. direct relation to, yeah. Is it is it direct relation to you chasing them? No, you were too shy. No, no racing them maybe. Yeah. I, I was a fast runner as a kid and, and I didn't realize that girls could run fast too. And so, was it, so there was uh, something exciting and appealing to finding yeah. out that you were well matched. Right. Maybe um, there was some part of you that wanted to create like a super race of fast runners. No. I'm pretty sure you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm not a therapist or a scientist, so right. most of my most things I posit will be dead wrong. Dead yeah. wrong. Yeah. Uh were you and so you were shy and you didn't have any friends and you were afraid to talk to girls in high school, but you were by then writing songs. So were there was that a way of kind of expressing that uh angst? Like is that a was that an a, an outlet in that way? You tell me. Let's listen to a minute of this or thirty Please. seconds. She Please. said it was over for me it just began. Best guess I'll be a big boy now and try to understand. That's a song called No Place for a Lady in My Life. That is adorable. Thanks. It has a real uh, early Beatles kind of, and I love her. Yeah, from, it's... Right. I mean, I yeah, think that could have really gone somewhere. Yeah, it's actually a good song. And I know, it's really lovely. The melody is great. And it was it came out as a forty-five. On the, it was the B side of a song called "Everlasting Love," which you probably remember. Open up my heart, da, 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 everlasting love. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I once got a royalty check for about three dollars from uh, Holland. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing like uh, this. This business um, it creates the weirdest kinds of complaints. Like it's so, it's such a dumb, weird complaint to get a check, and open it up and have it be fifty-seven cents, and yeah. have this sense of like entitlement and and uh, you know overall grumpiness when, at the end of the day, like. You know, it's fifty seven cents, that's not gonna make or break your world, but it's also for a thing you did a long time ago that yeah. has, you know, become essentially meaningless on many other levels. Yeah, you don't, dentists don't get royalties. That's right. Oh, oh that's still, I still got my teeth. Here's your fifty seven cents. Right. That's a, that's a filling I removed in the forties. Right. Uh, um Yeah, we are we are spoiled brats. Most people in show business <laughs> But yeah. the thing, the thing I I love about being in any kind of world that involves fiction is that you can use the expression. You can ask somebody with an earnest question: uh, Are you talking about the real world? Because <laughs> you can't you can't do that without sounding crazy in those fields. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's, uh, a, that's a luxury. Did you what What else would you do? with your time alone, like when you would go home from school, would you be mostly writing and, and recording music or did you sink into books or go to movies? Um, you know, understandably, m most young people, if they have access to that stuff, uh, take advantage, but you know, there can sort of tell when you have a, a proclivity yep. towards something yeah. that's maybe more intense than others, like comic books or stuff like that. Uh, give, give me an age. I'll help. I can, that would help. Um, uh, 15. 15, I would come home from Bayside High and I would pick up a 
container of potato salad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> walk home and watch a show called, uh, I think it was called, um, You Bet Your Life? No, that was Groucho. It was a show that Johnny Carson Carson hosted. It was a game show. And it was really funny. Um, and for you, was that like kind of... Uh Appointment television? Yeah, that was like a little ritual I had as a kid. And my sister at that point was... uh, She was not well. She was no longer living with us. She'd lost her mind, which she now has again. Um, There was a year when, when both my mom died when I was 16... And my sister was hospitalized, which is a tough year. Um, let's just let that sit in silence for a while. Please, please, let's. Yeah. Um, no, I mean that's. I mean, it, I, 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 this the plenty of stuff like this comes up on the podcast. I'm. Yeah. Um. Obviously, my the question would be, you know. How did how and 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 how did you do with it? And I think there's not. I'm sure there's not a, a quick soundbite answer. No, it's, it was pretty difficult. Um, it's the the answer is so painful. Um, but uh, you know, she died of of she smoked three packs of camels a day for thirty years. Died in November, smoked for another two months. Such, <laughs> wow. That is such a nasty habit. <laughs> um, <sighs> that's that's how comedians deal with <laughs> well, painful sure. things. Yeah. No, that's I mean that's that's the next question is is how early how early do those things start being shaped in a mind? How early does a dark sense of humor start being shaped? Because I feel like I had one. Uh, far earlier than my circumstances would necessarily suggest or support. How old? You know what I mean? I don't know that I was like, I've gone through stuff, but I feel like I I had sort of a morbid sense of humor from a very early age, and I don't know that I can identify a reason. Yeah, I guess I always try to compare comedians to civilians by talking about my reaction to a sign in New York that I saw uh, for a Turkish bath, mm-hmm. which to me meant ethnic cleansing. Uh, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a pretty intense term too for so early. Yeah, yeah. I was probably I was I was in my twenties by the time that happened. But you know, I I was much more drawn to music than comedy. Did were your was there ever a crossover where you would get kind of clever and silly in your songs? I, I wrote a couple of funny songs, but but I think what I learned is that when I sang, people talked, and when I talked, people listened, mm, mm-hmm. and, and then when I danced, people left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I, I think I have an embroidered pillow that says that. <laughs> It's it's I have one on one side that says dance like nobody's watching and then on the other side I have uh the the three sentences that you just said. Yeah, I think I'm a really good dancer, but I don't, I don't dance in public, which is was a very sad for me in college because I went to all these dances and just stood and watched. What what if you felt like you were a good dancer, so you you felt like it was ha- you were a good dancer, but then you wouldn't dance because you had already gotten messages uh from people's behavior that you weren't a good dancer no it was, it was too much too sexual just moving my body mm. from the waist down in front of mm-hmm. other people <laughs> you crazy <laughs> when did you have your first uh girlfriend uh when i was 19 uh and and how did you what was that? What do you think pushed you forward towards, like pushing past shyness and making a commitment and stuff? 
uh, a kiss. You know, it's just, oh, we kissed, and that, that for me that was such a big deal because I wouldn't even share a soda with her because I was <laughs> a, a germaphobe. <laughs> Were you really? Yeah. Oh. At that age, I was. Yeah. And but, so you um, wouldn't share a soda, but then you kissed, and then nothing bad happened, presumably. Right. right. Only good things happened. Yeah. And were you, uh, do you feel that you were a good boyfriend? Yeah, I think I was. She she broke my heart, though, which I think she, is good. I think it's good to have your heart broken. Uh, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean, that's life is full of those things, right? The the sort of uh, you're supposed to have that perspective, as as dictated by someone else. You're supposed to already have the the like the sort the sort of like listen. You'll look back on this and feel this way, but there's a suggestion sometimes in being told that that uh, it's like you're al- you're already supposed to be there a little bit. Right. It's not. It's not just. Uh, it's not just. Hey, you'll get over this. It's like, listen, I'm impatient with you having your heart broken right now. So just uh, believe me when I say, fast forward to the future, you'll be fine with this. <laughs> you, you know, who was amazing, amazingly helpful around with that was my sister, because I would lie on, after she uh, broke up with me, I would lie on the floor of our apartment in New York. And I pound my fists against the wall. I just, I couldn't believe that I could love somebody and she wouldn't love me back. Sure. But, um. And your sister was? She, she had had a similar experience. So she knew it would pass. And did. And then several years later, she needed a place to stay. And she was in New York and, and she stayed at my apartment. But as revenge, I refuse. I refu- refuse to have sex with her. <laughs> Way to draw a line. Yeah, I taught her a lesson. A I taught Good her a you. lesson she will never forget. Good for you. Yeah. Um. Well, you know what? I'm actually. Get, I want to get into this mash game now because what I don't want to do is run oh, out of okay. time. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I'm. And I'm. I'm just. I, this is one of those windows where. Uh, I'm pressed for time in a way that okay. I'm frankly I'm not comfortable with, but I want to be able to like luxuriate in, in these answers, no pressure. Okay. Um, so uh, so I'm going to start out. Uh, I'm going to start out with that sort of mo- uh, one of the more typical categories, which is uh, uh, three places in the world that you would enjoy having a vacation home if getting there weren't a pain in the neck. Aleppo. This is going to be fun. No, no, no. I, I would say. Um, <laughs> I would say um, the south of France, where I've never been, but my family's been there. It just sounds so wonderful. Oh, yeah. Okay, two more. Um, let's see. Maybe Southern California. Sure. Um, and... I don't know, my nephew and his wife have just been sending these amazing pictures of Croatia, which I think isn't, the, aren't the the, 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 the the show King Game of Thrones, I think that's filmed there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That is right. that is definitely one of their sort of castle right. sprawling battlefield locations. Yeah, I, I don't want to go there. I take it back. Um, All right. It's too cold. Um, maybe New Mexico. Oh, I approve. I'm kind of drawn to that climate, although the heat is not great for me. But but I think it's so beautiful there. I do too. I think that's. I mean, I my my dad manages to stay kind of on the road in the Northwest for the 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 hot months, um, and then is sort of just in Tucson for for the pleasant weather. And I think he's kind of he's got something figured out there. What does he do on the road? Place. He, uh, well, for a long time, I mean, he still does, but um, not with the same kind of fervor that he did. Writes uh, books about uh, ghost towns and mining camps. And oh, stuff. that's Sort of amazing. history of 
ghost towns and and the American West. Right. Um, uh, so yeah, so he sort of uh, and has just made friends along the way and stuff. So he has and and just has had friends who've moved to various m- more pleasant climes. Uh, right. Who originally he knew in Tucson. So he has friends that he stays with out, uh, you know, on the Puget's on Puget Sound, and friends he stays with in Denver and friends and in your, Idaho. Is, is your mom in the picture? Uh, I'm not, they're not together, my mom, but, and my mom still lives in Tucson and she is the opposite. She used to travel a lot. And then, um, at some point fairly early on in her, uh, like sixties, she just was like, well, I'm done and has not left the state of Arizona or even really most of the South part of Arizona for a very long time. Janet, what's your middle name? Maureen. What's yours? Is it also Maureen? Uh, no, it's Paul, but my my uh, my maiden name is Beatrice. <laughs> I always forget that it works differently on the East Coast. Yeah, uh, right. Than than in than out on the frontier where I'm from. Right. Um, oh, I, I lo- you, listen, you got me very distracted from the Smash game, but, but yeah, please yeah, continue. Uh, no, I love the image of your dad driving around uh, to ghost. To, I love anything that's sort of decaying. I like. Mm-hmm. I like homes that are not in great shape. I do too. Um, I don't like maggots. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> but um, I guess I don't like maggots either. If, if yeah. pressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so l- the next okay, let's continue is playing. name three types of maggots <laughs> 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 that you would if you had to be covered in a maggot. Okay, I'm. Uh, no, but I will ask. Uh, th- what about three pets that, uh, for one reason or another, it's not practical or possible to have in our reality? Now, see, we're not talking about real life here, and we can have that conversation because we work in fiction. Three pets that, for one reason or another, uh, you would enjoy having. It could be a sort of a mystical creature, like a dragon, speaking well, of Game of Thrones, or it could be just you know a hippo or a snail or a maggot. I would love to have a pterodactyl. I mm-hmm. think those are dinosaurs that could fly, I think. I guess they're kind of like dragons, but I think they're more bird-like. Agreed. Closer, They've evolved closer to birds than the yeah. dragons I have now implied were real. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, pterodactyl, give me two more. Um... <sighs> Pony? A pony? My, yeah. Great. But the, for, these aren't totally unrealistic because my wife is but allergic. That's okay. But I mean, like, are you yeah. going to get a pony tomorrow? Maybe not. No. So this is, this is okay. This is just... Oh, can I change my mind from a pony? I'm going to go with a goat. Great. Okay. Because a goat... A pony. Yeah, because a goat can pull a, a small cart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And then what's your third one? Oh, I, I thought I had three. One, one was. Oh, you got rid of pony. I have pterodactyl and goat. A pterodactyl and goat, and then um, uh, a bobcat. Oh, wonderful! I've seen a bobcat here and there, um, and I'm not speaking of bobcat Goldthwait, but in in Griffith Park. Um, oh, I bet. I live oh. I live very close to there, and when I'm riding my bike in the in the evening, I really like to tempt fate because that's when you're not supposed to be riding, but right. um, that's when you see the best stuff. Do you and, wear a helmet? Uh, I do. Oh gosh, yeah. I've never not worn a helmet. I don't know that I've ever been on a bike without a helmet on. Right. Um. Uh, okay. Next category is uh, three foods drinks or other substances that in this reality are you know maybe not the best for you if you have them beyond moderation um but in this alternate reality they're they're sort of wonderful life-fulfilling vitamin type uh substances that you get nourishment from and, and strength so it can be as specific as you know this one deep dish pizza in chicago or it could just be ice cream or it could be heroin uh, I w- I would say vitamin D if it's good for Demerol. Okay, okay. Um, <laughs> I like street names for drugs. There was Is that dr- what? There was a drug called Percodan before Percocet. Sure. And the street name was Dan Perkins. 
It was it really? Yeah. That's great. Um, I'm embarrassed that I know that. Uh, <laughs> I'm pleased as punch. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Two food. More. I, I would love. I love pomegranate seeds. Right. That's, that's something I would love to access, have access to all the time. And a third thing. Um, I guess a coffee ice cream. Oh, wonderful. I love coffee ice cream. I also had a, a pomegranate tree in our backyard in Tucson oh, really? growing up. Not to just make things all about me, but kind of to make them all about me. Um, and I think what I will say about it is, uh, because that is, I, I have not sought out pomegranate since. It's one of those things where if somebody puts it on something in a meal I'm served, I'm like, oh yeah, I love pomegranate seeds. But there is something very... So I think with the thrill for me of eating them, particularly because we had a tree that we could pick them off of and it, they, they're more exotic than, say, an apple, was feeling a weird connection to some iteration of a human being that is much older who is really excited to discover that you can eat those seeds. Do you know what I mean? There's something that, about it that feels right. like I'm connecting to my ancestors who first put that tart little, you know, gelatinous right. seed that has the kind of crunchy middle and went hey wait a and minute the, i think we're so, on to something they're so beautiful when you open yeah, them up uh, i agree so, the, some people call them chinese apples but if you have a do you know what colace is colace is a stool softener and the <laughs> the gels look exactly like pomegranate seeds oh yeah the effect is very by different. design i wonder mm, i doubt it <laughs> they're going after uh, a wider market got it got it um okay uh now let's do three those are three movies that you can step into and just be in uh and be in that world it's not that you're reliving the plot or that you're playing a character in the film it's just sort of like let's assume that these these films kind of exist in their own dimension and you can kind of go in and just well, whatever see, that means to you see if you can guess what movie i'm talking about you are such an idiot. I've been sitting there for 45 minutes waiting for you to come over. That's from uh, Goodwill Hunting. That was Mini Driver. Oh. <laughs> um, that's I one didn't movie. Pick it up. I didn't oh. pick up. I didn't pick up on that. I didn't pick um, up on it. So Marathon Man is another. Oh, man. And and third is probably, so a, mo probably a movie you've never seen called... Bad Day at Black Rock with Spencer Tracy. It's just an amazing movie. Bad Day at Blank Rock. Okay. I, oh no, at Bla Bad Day at Black, oh, Black Rock. Rock. Right. Um, your okay. dad. Bad I bet you. I bet your dad would know that movie. How old is your dad? He is uh, seventy-two. Younger than me. Young. Well, I don't think that's true, actually. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm. How old is he? I mean, older than me. That's what I meant. Yeah, I'm 70. Um, yeah, he's definitely um, older than you. Right. Uh, he might, yeah, he might. He's he's The movies that he talks about the most um, for him that were iconic are the sort of Robert Redford, uh, Butch Cassidy era, um, which is not part of his childhood. It's just, I think, a time at which he was like real excited about movies, you know? Right. He was probably in his 20s when those movies came out. Yeah, also, now that I'm thinking about it, he really kind of looks like Robert Redford, so I think it might have been like a real, um, it might have been one of those things that, that meant something to him because he was like, it, people told me he looked like him. Do you tend to seek out men who look like your father or Robert uh, Redford? No. Okay. No. Mm -mm. I don't think I've ever dated anyone who looked like either of those guys. Right. Um. Okay, next category is uh, three, this is three alternate universe uh, romantic partners. So it could be someone you had a crush on, you know, when you were little. It can be it's anyone from any era. It can be Jane Mansfield. It can be Jane Fonda, Circa. I guess they don't all have to be named Jane. This is just me um, speaking uh, off the top of my head. Uh, you know, any, any era, any, any, any time. Any. Tuesday World. Right. Um, that girl who was such a fast runner. Her name okay, was great, fast her, her name was Lori. Um, and uh, do you ever see the movie 
Oh, shit, I can't remember the name. It was with Jeff Goldblum, Glenn Close. It was kind of a hippie feel. Big Chill? Yes. There was an actress, was it Meg Tilly? Oh, yeah, Meg Tilly was the survivor of the dead guy. Right. Yeah, she's darling. Yeah. She spent her entire life trying to be invisible after that movie. Evidently, there was a movie that she did called uh, "The Girl in the Swing" that I that, that uh, for some reason I really I don't remember what it was about, but it was it was in the time that I was a college student in Flagstaff, and there was a big um, kind of Barnes and Noble type place called Hastings uh, right. right next to the school, and my roommate and I would just rent you know just rent as many movies we'd never heard of that seemed as the most obscure as possible um and that was that was one and i i i always remember her from that because i i think there was probably like some sexy stuff that happened i'm sure if it was like a quote unquote art film and um and then the other thing i remember about her is that she always kind of sounded like she had a cold uh and there was something very human and vulnerable about that that right. like went went well with her vulnerable acting style What's so I approve, gir- of, I approve of this choice. What's with girls and swings? It seems like I don't quite get it, but it's also I never will. I suspect it just seems it just seems <laughs> no, to be like either. yeah. Um, okay, um, and then the final category uh, is let's do three time like three eras that you can travel and visit you're in a you're in sort of in a safety bubble so nothing bad is going to happen to you but it gives you the opportunity to observe it could be into the future or sometime in the past so like a time and place it doesn't have to be you know november 2nd 1964 it can just be you know the tw- the roaring 20s in paris like that sort of thing the dust bowl right. in, in in western well it's somewhere in in texas or arizona um, because I, I, I've been talking to this woman about a woman named Bess who's from the Dust Bowl and I can't really explain it um, let me see two other ca- two other times and places uh, I'd like to be in New York in the in the 40s New York City in the 40s great um and I'd like to be in uh, Amsterdam tomorrow. No, I li- I'd like to spend time in Amsterdam in the present tense, actually. Great. I think that's great. Okay. And then the final piece of this is um, just give me a number between one and six. Okay. Now... You have to, you have to guess if I'm trying to think of a number between one and six, or <laughs> I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with four. Okay. And then this is what I would like you to do while I um, calculate your results. And when I say things like that, people probably think I'm a doctor too. So it could be Doctor Varney and Doctor Katz. Okay. Uh, going over the results of this mash game. Will you please tell um, our listeners about your new show? Oh, my new show is, is Dr. Katz, The Audio Files, and it's on audible.com. And joining me are the amazing Laura Silverman, Erica Rhodes, occasionally John Benjamin, and a guest patient every week. Every week, And so far, it's been, I've been joined by Ray Romano, Sarah Silverman, uh, Emo Phillips, just an amazing bunch of comedians. And also, Don Myrera is a semi-regular on the show, who's wonderful. That's a that's a that's an impressive list um, for those of you who are familiar with Dr. Katz's previous show. Uh, a lot of returning favorites. Um, and the the very fi- cool. the final guest patient of our first season is uh, Jim Gaffigan, who's wonderful. Oh, nice. Yeah, and also we've been picked up for a second season, which is breaking news. I just learned that last. I just learned. Yeah, just learned that last night. Congratulations! I love to break news on the podcast, so this is very exciting. Yeah, Uh, I don't know that I'm known for breaking news. I feel that my podcast is so untopical, but that's what makes it so goddamn perennial. 
Uh, I have your mash results, uh, Jonathan. I'm going to give them to you, and um, that will uh, mark the end of the podcast. Short of me asking you to sing a snippet of Boys of Summer, we're going to see how that goes in just a second. Uh, but I want to congratulate you first and foremost. Mash, uh, the name Mash stands for Mansion, Apartment, Shack, or House. You have gotten the best of those. You've gotten uh, the mansion. Uh, your mansion is in New Mexico. So one assumes it's a sort of a Santa Fe style mansion. Stucco. A stucco, a beautiful stucco mansion with luminarias. Uh, do you know what those are? No. Lining the tops of lining the rooftop. It's the paper bag that has the candle in it. I don't know how they don't catch on fire, but um, that's a big uh, holiday decoration in Arizona and New Mexico. Um, so your mansion in New Mexico. Uh, I want you to rest assured there is a little pen in the back for your goat. Great. Um, and your goat cart. Uh, you when you're when you want to take a break from your beautiful vacation home uh, in New Mexico, you can also jump into the film Goodwill Hunting, where I assume you will be playing Mini Driver's sister. Um, and uh, and if you don't feel like going into Goodwill Hunting, you can also jump into present day Amsterdam and stay there for as long as you like. And all of these experiences you may have and cherish high as hell on Demerol with Tuesday Weld. Oh, my God. Forget about <laughs> Amsterdam. Forget about the goat. <laughs> so, uh, Jen, well, I want to try one thing with you before we do the uh, Boys of Summer thing. Sure. Uh, because people... I talk about having been a mind reader in, in a previous lifetime. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but people don't quite believe it. So I'm, I'm going to count out loud to three. And after that, I'd like you to say the name of a day of the week. Okay? Okay. One, two, three. Tuesday. Friday. No, 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 no. no, no you, have to do it. you have to do it with me. Okay? I see. Anyway, mm-hmm. Friday's not so far off. But, um, but stop doing the mind reading thing because it's just so hard to tell what people are thinking. <laughs> that that's got to be a real yeah. obstacle. It's got to be a yeah. real obstacle. Uh, Jonathan, uh, thank you so much. I'm so glad that we had a chance to do this, and uh, I, I think people are going to be very excited. Um, certainly about your new show. Uh, I can say only good things about you, your past shows, and Audible. So um, I think this is a this is a very cool development, and uh, I think that just leaves us with you. Um, I mean, I don't want to say serenading me, but uh, what um, what would your take on Boys of Summer be? I'm walking down the road trying to listen, my lord. I got seven women on my mind. Two who want to own me, two who want to know me. Uh, one says she's a friend of mine. That's not. Yep, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I know there's another that's song with, with which has the name Flagstaff in it, but. Oh, maybe it's the same song, but I don't know that verse. Oh, I think it. Is it Flagstaff or is it Tucson? You're right. There's one. Yeah. There is definitely an Arizona city mentioned in it. Now I'm, I'm fine stuff, Arizona. No, now I just turned it into Route 66. Um, it, this, this allowance of you uh, not singing Boys of Summer uh, is actually, I think it feels apropos because you were my final Boy of Summer. And, uh, and so I think um, we've moved, we're moving past summer. We're looking towards the future into taking it easy. Yes. Uh, and so that's what I, that's a message I really want people to walk away with. Um, and, uh, and are you on uh, social media? Is there a place where people can uh, uh, look for you there? can follow me on Twitter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, What's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's, I think it's just Jonathan underscore cats. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And I'm on, uh, am I leaving something out? I think that's it. No, those are those are the big those are the big ones. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Well, uh, Jen, I will. Uh, I I thank you again. Oh, and, sure. Um, thank you. Maybe we'll guys, see each other in New York. Uh, I will. I hope so. I will keep my eyes peeled. Okay. Okay, and thanks for listening, guys. I will talk okay. to you next time on the podcast. She said it was over. For me, it just began. I guess I'll be a big boy now. Try to understand the things she was saying.
But that didn't seem to make it easier to listen When she said, no place for a lady in your life Sorry, but there's just no place for a lady in your life She said that she loved me as much as anyone And that I should be grateful for the good times and the fun Dot com.